You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Uh, yesterday, so I, I have a, um, a, a Google uh, doorbell, and I, not, I got a notification last night that said, the Google, your Google doorbell is shutting down until the temperatures return to normal. <laughs> like, well, that's helpful. <laughs> but... And uh, Jason Sweet said, can I do that? <laughs> can I shut down until our temperatures return to normal? Uh, well, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, we're a little light this morning. It is freezing outside. It's cold. And uh, we got a lot of people online thrilled that we have the ability to stream online. So welcome all, the, all of you who are online as well. Uh, but it's good to be together. Good to be in, in church this morning. Uh, 2022. 2022. I feel like I feel like I have music behind me. Do I have music behind me? That's all right. I can I can use the emotion. I don't know. <laughs> um, 2022. I love seasons. I love new beginnings. I love fresh starts, crisp mornings. I I, I do. Uh, you know, part of it is that you can have a sense of opportunity, a sense of something um, to come in the coming year, and you know, the, the ability to put things in our past that we want to stay in our past. Uh, the ability to to dream, create a future that we want different from our present. Uh, the ability to look ahead and in, into into the next year. Well, I want to look at Lamentations chapter three. Sorry, Lamentations chapter three and verse twenty-two. It says, "The faithful love of the Lord never ends; His mercies never cease." Great is thy faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Each morning, each year, 2022, each year, each month, each season, each morning, his, his mercies begin afresh. And, you know, I, I had a, somebody, actually I'll, Ted came up to me this morning and said, God wants to tell you that joy is a choice. Choose joy. And each morning we get to choose how we're going to tackle the day, how we're going to approach the day, how we're going to get up out of bed, how, how we're going to do, what's the first thing, what's the second thing we're going to do. And we get to choose joy. We're focusing as a church uh, on joy this, this season, and I think that's appropriate. We, we want to move into 2022 with more joy. I have a friend, I, I've talked about him before on my Meals on Wheels route, and he has a birthday this week. He turns 90 this week. And he said, he, he tells me, yes. He says, you got to keep moving. <laughs> Because it's harder to hit a moving target. <laughs> and he, he, always, he tells me, he says, you got to keep your gas tank full so you're ready to go. <laughs> ready, ready to go. Um, I, as, I get, as I get a little bit older, I, and I'm getting older, as I get older and I interact with people of all ages, I, I've come to, in, in my mind, just generally, and, and there's, no, there's no way to say everybody is either this or this, but generally... I find that, that we, we tend to see two different perspectives. One is that the, we always feel the same up here. <laughs> no matter how old I am, I'm who I was. I am who I am. And uh, I am who I was when I'm in my 20s. I'm now in my 40s, and I feel the same. I don't feel the same physically, <laughs> but I, I feel the same mentally. And I, I find that as I interact with people of all ages and you know, people that I thought were old when I was young, well, I'm older than they are now. 
And I talk to people who are older than myself now, and we just, you feel the same. You don't feel like you're getting older, though you know your body reminds you that you're getting older, but mentally, we're the same. And then there's, then there's people, and this is, you know, I, I reminded um, specifically my wife's uh, grandmother that when the last, I want to say the last couple of years of her life, she would say, and, and this not meant to be depressing, but she would say, can you just pray that I die? I want to go home. And not in a negative way, not in a sorry for herself way, but I'm ready to go. And, and I see that a lot. And sometimes it's, it's not a great situation, but there are, there is a time where, it, you know, you come, you feel like I'm just, I'm living my life. I'm, I'm chugging along. I'm the same. And then you get to the point where, okay, this life is, I've, I've done this life. And that's okay. Well, what I've also observed is that at any stage of your life, whether you're young or old or really young or really old, that you're not guaranteed joy. <laughs> that you can be old and crotchety or you can be young and cranky. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're old or young or what perspective you have, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to be very happy. <laughs> That joy is something that is that's disconnected from that. Joy is something that we have to we have to pursue or discover. Joy, it's 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 one of those those Christmas words, those holiday words, one of those words we see on the side of, of mugs and cups and and Starbucks and all, all those places. Joy is a word. I'm, I'm wondering, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you overspent what you intended to spend on Christmas? <laughs> We, I saw a few hands there. <laughs> uh, we did. You know, you intend, I'm going to spend this amount of money, and then you're like, well, I'll also get this. <laughs> you know, we tend to, and we know that, that joy doesn't come from stuff, but we sure act like it. <laughs> and, and we know that, that, that joy from, from presence and from acquiring and from gifts, it, it's fleeting, that it doesn't seem to last, that those presents that were brought so much joy at 6 o'clock on Christmas morning, by 6 o'clock that night, I'm bored. <laughs> but joy, joy in, in stuff is fleeting. You know, we, we, we speak of the pursuit of happiness. But happiness is not something that you can chase. It's not something that you can acquire by chasing after it. Happiness is something that I, that I want to say this morning is something that you uncover. It's something that you realize. It's something that you can receive, but it's something that just is there. You know, we're, we're told that we are consumers and, and, and we're advertised to as consumers, but God created us to be creators. And if all we ever do is consume, then we just get fat and stagnant. It's like the Dead Sea, how water just flows in but never leaves, and that water is not drinkable. That, yes, we consume. We need to breathe. We need to drink water. We need to eat. We need to do all those things. But if we're not pouring out, then it's not healthy. You know, if you're, if you're working out a lot, you need to consume the calories to sustain you working out. But if you're not working out, you don't need as many calories. <laughs> and we know that, right? So we are, we are consumers, but we're meant to be creators. I want to go to James chapter 1. James writes, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles 
of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Let me read that again. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. How do we make this a reality? It sounds great. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. What I want to talk about this morning is I, I think, I believe, that you have more than you think you do. That what you have, God wants to expand this morning. You know, everything that's written about Jesus is not written to give us a history lesson, though I like history. But what is written about Jesus Everything that is written in the Gospels and everything that is written in, in the Scriptures is written to give perspective. Not just an account, not just history, but perspective. In our, in our Bible reading plan, we've talked about this morning, that we've been reading through the book of Matthew. And as you're reading through the book of Matthew, you see miracle after miracle after miracle that Jesus performs. He goes here and, and, and heals this person. He goes there and heals that person. Somebody comes and asks to be healed. Jesus performed miracles. So we come to Matthew chapter 15 this morning. In Matthew chapter 15 and verse 29, it says, Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, and those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking the crippled were made well, the lame were walking, and the blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. This is, this is the context for our passage today. The disciples have seen this for a while. They've been, they've been following Jesus. They've been walking with Jesus. Jesus has been teaching them. He's been telling them what to do. He's been asking them to go do this themselves. But they've seen miracle after miracle after miracle, things that just confound us. Miracle after miracle. So verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, or they will faint along the way. The disciples replied, Where would we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? The context of this is miracle after miracle, after miracle, and the disciples say, well, where are we going to get enough food? <laughs> the blind see, where are we going to get enough food, Jesus? The lame walk, where are we going to get food, Jesus? You know, sometimes we're so focused on the problem that we don't see the possibilities. We have a lot of problems in our life, a lot of problems in our world, and some of them are new problems, some of them are old problems. But there's, their problems are apparent, and sometimes I think we get so drawn in by the problem that we aren't able to see what's possible. We aren't able to see the potential that's right in front of us. And sometimes we think the difference between us and God is, well, God has all the power, and I don't have any. 
But I think what we see, what, what's told here about Jesus is that Jesus says, I feel sorry for these people. He's moved with compassion. See, Jesus has compassion on the crowd, and he's moved to do something about it. He's moved to do something. Jesus has compassion for, these, for the people, but the disciples say, where are we going to get enough bread? Have you ever had a problem that felt too big for you? That's kind of a rhetorical question because we all have problems that feel too big for us. We got them right now. There's problems in our world. There's situations in our lives that just are overwhelming. They feel too big. I don't have the resources. I don't have the mental space. I don't have the grace. I don't have enough forgiveness. I don't have what's needed for this problem. And so sometimes we abdicate responsibility because I say, we just, I just can't fix this one. And we just let it be. One of the things that, that God does in our lives is that he expands our compassion. He expands our abilities. He expands our love. He expands our grace. He expands our forgiveness. He expands what we are capable of. You know, we, we pray for miracles, we pray for resources, but God wants to expand what's in your hands. The disciples look at the crowd and they say, it isn't realistic. And they're, in one sense, they're right. It's not realistic. But as we talk about quite often, if your dreams, if your thoughts, if your hopes are realistic, you're not dreaming big enough. If your desire for your marriage is realistic, you need to raise the bar. If your desire for your relationships is within your grasp, you need to ask for more. If your desire, if, if your hope for your career is something that you think you can attain, you aren't shooting high enough. <laughs> Do we know that? Do we believe that? If, if what you're hoping to happen, you can do, well, that doesn't seem like much. <laughs> God is never going to call you to something that's realistic. He's going to call you to something that requires him. <laughs> that requires him expanding what you already have. God wants to expand what you believe for your marriage. He wants to expand what you believe for your kids. He wants to expand what you believe for your career. He wants to expand what you believe for your neighbors, what you believe for Messina, what you believe for the North Country, what you believe for what's possible in the United States of America. Because, man, I don't have a lot of hope right now. <laughs> and anybody, I doesn't, no, no party gives me hope. <laughs> but God can do something amazing. He can do something amazing in you. There's a parallel passage to this one, another, another very similar passage in Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, the disciples are a little more proactive. They say, late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so that they can find food and lodging for the night because there is nothing to eat in this remote place. So they're being proactive. Jesus, you gotta, you gotta send them away. They want to push the problem away and do what they can. We can take care of ourselves. We can go find something to eat. We can find some, sh some shelter. But for this crowd, uh, that's impossible. Jesus' reply in Luke 9, 13. But Jesus said, you feed them. <laughs> you feed them. 
well, Jesus, you're God, and I'm just a human. (laughs) You have a greater capacity than I do. And it's almost like Jesus saying, what are you willing to take ownership of? What do you have that can be used in the situation? You know, whenever there's a, a crisis or a tragedy in the world and social media or just in texting, we say, our thoughts and prayers are with you. You heard that phrase before? <laughs> we sent, Sending our thoughts and prayers to Indonesia. Sending our thoughts and prayers to those who lost their homes. Sending our thoughts and prayers. And I wonder how valuable our thoughts and prayers are. Now, our thoughts and our prayers can shift the world. But when we type our thoughts and prayers, are we actually praying? Are you actually taking the moment to stop? I hope so. Because so, so it seems like, and I, I don't want to offend any, well, maybe I do want to offend some people. <laughs> it seems like when we say our thoughts and prayers are with you, we put that in God's hands, and I'm going to stay over here and deal with my problem. <laughs> like, there's a huge thing over there. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. So what are we going to eat? That's what I've been challenged in. Our thoughts and prayers are good, but sometimes are they just passing the buck? How often do we actually step up to the need? My, my challenge for myself this year, I was listening to a podcast and I was having a conversation with, with Heather and, and my wife and, and he was saying, what's your word for the year? I was like, well, that's a, that's a challenge. But, you know, a word that came to me pretty pretty quickly was bold. And what that meant for me, just for me, this is for me, not for New Testament church, or you can grab it if you want to, but for me, the word is bold. And what that means is when I think of somebody, I'm going to be bold and pick up the phone. Because how many times do we think of something and we put it off and then we think of them later, oh, I meant to call that person. How often do we see a need and we think, man, it'd be really cool if it did something about that but I'm not quite ready yet. Or that'll be awkward. I don't want to disturb them or I don't want to make this uncomfortable. I'm just, I want to challenge myself this year, and I have been challenging myself this year to just be bold, to step up and make that phone call, send that text, walk across the room, pray that prayer, send that money, do what, whatever it is to be, to be bold. The disciples have a problem that is bigger than them. (laughs) We all do. But you need to own what you have. Matthew 15, 34, the story continues. Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? And they replied, seven loaves and a few small fish. I love that detail because it's really insignificant. It doesn't matter if they're small fish or big fish. It's not enough. We have seven loaves and a few small fish. You know, we all struggle with inadequacy. We all struggle with insignificance. We all struggle with wondering if we have enough in in so many contexts. You know, how many of us say, I'm not enough for the problem. I'm not enough for the situation. I don't have what it takes to see that my marriage 
flourish. I don't have what it takes for my kids. I don't have what it takes for my community. I, d- I don't have the, the skill that this job needs. I, need, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. not gifted enough. Definitely don't have enough money. Somebody else can do it, but I can't. Jesus wants us to own what we have. Because what we have is not static. Your intelligence is not fixed. Your talent is not fixed. Your resources are not fixed. You can be smarter. I heard somebody say, I know because I have been dumber. (laughs) (laughs) I know I've been dumber, so I know I can be smarter. (laughs) We We have, your intelligence is not fixed. Own what you have. I have just a few small fish and seven loaves. What do you want to do with it, God? (laughs) This is what I have. I'm going to give it to you. What do you want to do with it? Verse 36, then he, Jesus, took the seven loaves and the fish. He thanked God for them. He broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. We call this the the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus miracle is Jesus fed the 5,000. Well, Jesus didn't feed the 5,000. The miracle isn't that Jesus fed 5,000, or for this one, 4,000 people. The miracle is, is that he did a miracle for the 12, and the 12 fed the 4,000. Jesus received what they had. He blessed it. He thanked God for it. Thank you. You're welcome. He thanked, he thanked God for it. He broke it. He handed it back to them. And then they went around and distributed. I'd love to see this image. <laughs> but they went around and distributed. There was a mer- God did a miracle that day, but it wasn't through the hands of Jesus. It was through the hands of his disciples. They had to play a part in this. They had to recognize what they had, give it to Jesus, receive it back, and then go and do something about it. The disciples fed the 4,000 that day. One of the most terrifying things that you can do, and I think we, we, we say we do it, but we don't actually do it, is to give God everything you have. Everything. God, I give you everything. My checkbook, every corner of my soul, my thoughts, every relationship, every concern, every hurt, every disappointment, everything. Because God, he wants to take what you have and put his perspective on it, his intention on it, his power on it, and then give it back to you, and let's see what happens next. <laughs> because no matter, no matter how talented you are, no matter how intelligent you are, no matter how many resources you have, you will never achieve your full capacity. You will never f- achieve your full potential. You'll never achieve all that God has for you on your own. We need to give Jesus what we have and let him multiply it. Let God expand what you have. Let God expand your capacity. It continues in verse 37. 
they, the crowd, ate, they all ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were 4,000 men who were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. They had more than enough, and the story ends with them having more than they had to begin with. What a story. (laughs) But I think we need to receive it for what we have this morning. That when we are generous, when we serve, when we love, we accomplish so much more. You won't find love until you give it away. You won't find grace until you share it. You won't find forgiveness until you forgive. God offers those things, but he even says in his word, unless you forgive, that with, there's something about understanding God's forgiveness if you're not able to forgive yourself. You won't find compassion until you show it. You won't find joy until you give it. We're talking about joy. And we know, we, we, we know that joy doesn't come from pursuing, that joy doesn't come from acquiring, that joy doesn't come from the size of your bank account or from that shiny new object or, or whatever it is, or even the Steelers winning the Super Bowl. That'll be really joyful for some of us. I'm, I'll cheer for the Niners myself, but anyway. But it, 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 only, it only sustains for so long. That, that win is only as good as yesterday. <laughs> That joy is only as good as until it gets a little dusty. And we know that. Jesus is teaching his disciples here, and I believe he's teaching us to trust in the return of what he is giving back. And look at what we have. I, I was thinking about just how to, how to explain this, and I thought, I'm, I, I really like coffee. <laughs> and I believe a lot of you like coffee. Try going without coffee, and I'm not actually saying this, but try going without coffee for a week. And then go through the drive-thru at Tim Hortons and smell that coffee. And that first sip just tastes so good, doesn't it? (laughs) After you haven't had it for a while, it just tastes. Now, the coffee didn't change. Your perspective changed. We have so much to be joyful for. We have so much to be thankful for. We could be thankful for this 60-degree room <laughs> or whatever it is. We have so much. Even, even in our lack, even in our suffering, even in our disappointment, there is so much to be thankful for. Uncovering that joy, not pursuing joy. There's no such thing as the pursuit of happiness because it doesn't sustain. <laughs> it's, still, it's so fleeting. But we have so much. God has given us so much. Just the sunsets, the taste of ice cream, your relationship, the person that you have next to you. At the same time, there is real struggle, real pain, real hurt. And God wants us to give it to him and then receive back and find the strength in that moment to receive his healing in our bodies, in our, in our friends' bodies, to receive provision, to trust that it's going to come. 
because in this world, Jesus says you will have trouble. <laughs> but we have each other too. You know, one of the things we talk about as a church is being together, that we're better together than we are apart. You know, we have the, the small group, the groups fair coming up and it's so important that we are we gather together in smaller groups and ob- obviously it, it's tough in this season and we, we do what we can and there's all different ways that we do that. But we need to walk with each other. We need to support one another. We need to stop at the prayer area back there and get some prayer. <laughs> we need to call each other and encourage one another. We need to send the text. We need to receive the text. We need each other. You know, we need more small group leaders. We need more people to say, I'm going to open my life up to some people. So that's you. Come and find me later. But we, we need each other. God wants to expand what you have. He wants to uncover true joy, happiness, contentment, and hope. And he wants to invite you to see what you have, give it to him, and let him expand it. I invite you to stand with me. I'm uh, just going to pray. I have in the last last month or so, I've had I've had, I've had pretty high levels of joy and contentment compared to the last months before that. And there's almost been a part of me that's been like, I don't want to like let that be known that I'm happy. <laughs> Because there's so many people around me who are not happy, or in our world, not not close to me, but <laughs> but but in in our world, like you don't want to put out on Facebook, life is great because like, there's a lot of challenges. But it isn't it isn't that there that my life, all of my problems have been solved. In fact, I think I'm more aware of my problems now than I've ever been. <laughs> but I do believe that God puts joy into you. He puts contentment into you. He puts happiness into you because if you're, if you're trying to find it in something else, it just doesn't work. So in the midst of our suffering, that first passage, in the midst, or that James, I'll read that again. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Jesus, we thank you that you are on the move. We thank you that you are offering power, that you're offering love, that you're offering grace, that you're offering resources, you're offering healing. God, first, we just pray for those who are struggling in their physical bodies right now. God, that you do a miracle all over the world, all over the North Country, God, in our friends, our family, God, in, in situations where we don't see, God, we don't see anything happening, we know that you are there, we know that you are standing, God, we know that you are providing hope and grace, and God, we ask for you to move. God, where, where, where finances are, are a struggle, God, we, we pray for your resources to be released, God, we pray for your creativity to be to be released in our thoughts and our prayers and our in our desires and our actions, God, that as we lean in, as we see your perspective on the world, as we see your perspective on what's happening, God, we can we can find God a new way forward. 
God, you invite all of us to give you our lives, to give you everything that we have. God, whether it's a first thought or we've been doing it for 50 years, you still are inviting us to give what we have so that you can pray for it, you can bless it, give it back to us and see something amazing happen. That as we give you our lives, God, that you give us back so much more. God, we thank you for joy this morning, joy in the midst of craziness, joy in the midst of suffering, joy in the midst of pain, joy in the midst of lack. God, let us be sustained by your joy this year. In Jesus' name. Amen. What a great reminder to focus, focus our minds. And if you find yourself today saying, I don't know how, or I don't feel like I can do it alone, please reach out to us. Especially those of you online, please reach out. Let us know. We want to walk alongside you. And if you're here, if you're able to come and gather, remember the group fair. It is so important for us to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to have it expanded. Again, like Justin said, we can't know joy until we give it away fully because that is how God designed it. It's a backwards world, his kingdom. And it's one where when we give away the gifts, it is the most fulfilling joy. That's the secret to the kingdom, to give away what he has given to us. So as we go today, let's be an encouragement to those around us. As we go out into the bitter cold, let's choose the perspective to remember the sunshine. Amen. All right, if you have time, please stop at the meet and greet. We've got donuts and coffee, and we'd love to connect with you. Have a great day. Enjoy your week. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week, and have a blessed day.